Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide from ufos to psychic powers and government conspiracies history is riddled with unexplained events you can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Our colleague Noel is still on an adventure, but he will be returning shortly, we assure you. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. This is the second part of a two-part episode we are doing on conspiracies involving unions, uh, involving the people who love unions and the people who historically and in the present day oppose them. In our previous episode, we took a brief look at the apparently controversial history of labor unions. And it turns out that organized collective bargaining, however you feel about it, has become controversial in the U.S., due in no small part to concerted, very well-conducted and orchestrated, very well-funded propaganda campaigns. Bernays would be so proud, Matt. I think he would like, he would give those campaigns, uh, <laughs> uh, if he didn't see Four some out of, of five the- doctors. <laughs> yes, he would give them a four out of five doctors. Don't you always wonder, like, who... <laughs> 
who's the 10th dentist? Who's the 10th yeah, yeah. dentist in all those things who is like, no way, <laughs> this toothpaste yeah. is garbage. <laughs> uh, it's it, Yeah, it's a good question. Well, see, and that dentist probably got paid by the campaign to say they didn't like it just to make it seem more credible. Because if it was all the dentists, it would be like, mm, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> I can go. believe That's... nine out of ten. <laughs> right. That's how you rig an election. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can't have 110% of the people voting for the same candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, we're, we are talking about propaganda. And, you know, this can be a bit of a touchy subject, but that's the nature of this show. This can be a bit of a third rail sometimes for mass media. But here are the facts. Earlier, we we asked what a union is. Uh, Usually when people talk about unions, they're not talking about necessarily like marriage or some other kind of civil union. They're talking about labor unions. They're talking about a bunch of colleagues in a given industry or, you know, a given category of industry who get together and fight for things that a lot of people take for granted nowadays, like a, an eight hour workday or a a weekend. Uh, We answered this question in the previous episode, but in answering this, we largely focused on the objective origin of unions. And to be absolutely fair, we need to address the imperfections that unions will inevitably encounter, like any other large collection of humans. Folks, fellow conspiracy realists, we don't care If you're talking about something like Congress, if you're talking about something like Davos, or you're talking about something like, you know, a religious organization, you get enough people together working on something and they're going to conspire. So we want to kind of open this episode by talking a little bit about those imperfections of unions because they are human made and because of their potential to influence large scale events, there is always going to be room for crime and corruption. And you know, Matt, it's weird. Like you and I growing up uh, in the U S in this iteration, when did you hear about unions? Was it ever big news? Well, it was my mother, and I have a feeling you maybe learned about it in the same way uh, through a teacher's union, Mm. which was a very common thing, at least I think when we were growing up and still is today a a very common thing, teacher's unions within the United States. Uh, Well, at least that's how I learned about them. Uh, What about you, Ben? You know, I always, well, we come from different places, right? Like I'm I'm familiar (laughs) with the idea of teacher's unions, but back in the day, Not back in the old days, like not pre-United States, but back in the day in the United States, about one-third of the entirety of this country's workforce in the private sector was unionized. They were – the unions represented in one way or another the vast majority of employees in auto manufacturing, in the steel industry – All the mission critical stuff like truckers, uh, construction, um, food processing. And the U.S. at this point seemed 
pretty well on the way to a new sort of guild system, just like the guilds in Europe that led to corruption and inequality that led to, you know, the journeyman class creating the predecessor of the union. It's very strange to think about it in big picture. And it, it might be difficult for a lot of us to imagine this today, but not very long ago at all, union leaders were a big, big deal. They were like international figures. They were asked about things on the news. They weighed in the same way that um, pundits, qualified or unqualified, will weigh in on, you know, your Fox News or your CNN or what have you today. Uh, the most, you know, there are folks like George Meany, Walter Ruther, uh, Jimmy Hoffa is probably the most well-known today because he disappeared. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think I'm I think we're legally obligated to say he disappeared about seven years after his disappearance. He's declared legally dead. Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, you remember the show The Wire? They have this great expression whenever they want to get something done. Outside of the official business, when they need a favor, they talk about having suction. Right. And the the union leaders for a long time they had a lot of suction they had a lot of influence they had considerable economic and political influence and this started to worry the people at the top of the business community and you know the people that the business community owns in large part congress yeah exactly and if you think this is the way I imagine it, Ben, tell me what you think about this, but I imagine that an individual corporation, especially one that is publicly traded, who is uh, at its heart attempting to make profits for its shareholders, the people that own stock in it, in the corporation and the board members who run that corporation. Right. And I am, I imagine that, they feel squeezed often or that the profits for that company and their ability to, to do their jobs is squeezed by two things. And maybe there's a lot more you know factors here, but in my mind, it's government regulation on whatever industry it is that they're functioning within and potentially labor unions or unions that are there, as we mentioned in the last episode, their cogs that are required they're human cogs, perhaps as they see them, that are needed to create the product on which they profit. And I imagine that those two things together, you want to alleviate one or the other or perhaps both, or there's like a desire perhaps to push back against both of those groups. Yeah, so everybody has, regardless of where you find yourself in life, every human person will typically have multiple folks that are stakeholders or weighing in on your opinion. And it's, it's a thing that starts when humans are in the cradle and it continues until they expire. And the problem is that for most people, these different stakeholders often have conflicting ideas or conflicting visions about how they want the world to be. Make no mistake, for the majority of Congress, this is not a compliment, it's not a criticism, it is solely an observation. The majority of Congress has 
several classes of constituents. There is the average voter, and there is also the ownership class, the ones who actually pay for the campaign and do the lobbying and all that jazz. Uh, Anyway, Congress got worried about this because the people who pay them through the back door got worried. (laughs) And and, uh, in a surprise Shyamalan-esque twist, the U.S. Congress tried to do something about corruption in the world of unions, in the world of labor leadership. If you go back to 1957, you'll find a guy named John L. McClellan. He's a Democratic senator from Arkansas at the time, and he focused on the idea of bribery, fraud, and racketeering in some aspects of the labor movement. This was uh, big news at the time in 1957. It was an investigation that went on for two years, and it was red meat for the press. People loved it. Uh, Congress did find some things in their defense. They found corruption in several major labor organizations, and this led folks to call for government intervention in the management of unions. And so there, there were, there's a crisis going on in 1957 at this time. And Congress is going back and forth. You know, they're like talking with the people who pay them. And then they're like talking to uh, voters, I guess, when it's a good PR opportunity. And they go back and forth about different methods to improve standards and accountability for these labor organizations, because you have to realize at this point in their heyday, labor organizations are tremendously powerful and they are doing some things that typically before that point would be restricted to state level actors, to the government or to large businesses. So eventually Congress makes this system of reporting that that unions are required to do. And at first, this system is like not super convenient. It's kind of like how, remember we were talking years ago about the Vatican Library, right? And there's this, there's this part of the Vatican Library that you can technically browse, but mm-hmm. their system is so weird you don't have a list of what's in that library. You have to know what you're asking for. And you have to ask for it specifically, which is very strange. What, what I'm saying is this accountability move by Congress um, may have been well-intentioned. There certainly was a problem, but it wasn't easy for people, pro or anti-union, to figure out what was going on with the finances What I'm saying is Congress was doing the right thing in this moment in time, but they perhaps weren't doing it for the right reasons. Unions were riddled with bad faith actors who were doing all kinds of objectively amazing, but objectively unethical stuff. You know, like, like imagine Matt, 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 imagine you were like, um, what what's a job you would want to have if you and I weren't hanging out? Like if you weren't in 
podcasting. You weren't a kick-ass executive producer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, foreman on a okay. uh, construction site. All right. So you're the foreman of the foreman's <laughs> union. <laughs> Which, I love mm-hmm. it. Uh, so you're the foreman of the foreman's union. And through that leadership, you can move a great many people in step. You can go to a speech, go do a speech. You can hold a rally. You can send out a newsletter and you can say, you know, uh, the right guy to be the mayor of Chicago is none other than Paul Mission Control Deccant. And then you can make that a voting block and you can swing an election. Nothing is illegal about that. Is it ethical? Not really. But, but you can also you can also do other things, right? Especially if you get organized crime involved. Matt, you and I know and and Paul, you know as well, we have a lot of friends who work in the world of production, in film, television, commercials, and so on. And there are a lot of unions in the world of production. And for the most part, uh, those are very good things, and they need to exist. And most of the public only hears about these unions when something goes wrong. And you may be familiar with some of these things like the Directors Guild, the Producers Guild, the Screen Actors Guild, uh, the Teamsters Union. These are all things that are thrown around. And I think the Teamsters is probably the best known. Uh, shout out to my friend Michael, who is currently a Teamster, who's out there in L.A. doing his thing. Uh, I, I know a couple a couple Teamsters. They're really good folks. But uh, the, <laughs> you also the union want to stay has a, on their good side. Yes, I do, <laughs> because the union <laughs> has a bit of a past. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it, man. That's that's where we're going with this. So uh, this will be doubtlessly familiar to all our fellow conspiracy realists who work in the in the production industry, however defined. One of the hard and fast rules is not to mess with the Teamsters because of strong precedent. <laughs> and uh, I mean, let's not pretend to be new here. Unions in the United States have in the past been affiliated with organized crime. Of course, not all unions, right? And certainly not all union members, most of whom are just people trying to get ahead in their life, trying to be paid a reasonable wage, spend some time with their kids, make their kids' life better than their life was. Like, that's very understandable. That's the thing all not, people are into. <laughs> not have their life just be one long work day that has a few hours in between where you can sleep and see your children. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Pretty much everybody who joins a union just wants to, you know, have a nice life. Yeah, or a life I don't that's think... not hell. <laughs> right. A life that feel that doesn't feel like you're digging your own grave until the moment you're shot and put in that grave. So like, I, I know that sounds somewhat hyperbolic, but what, what we're doing is showing you the warts of an idea while we are also understanding the perspective of the people involved. Look, here's the thing. Imagine you are mafioso of some sort, right? 
You're not just in the, you're, you're into crime, but you like your crime organized. You know what I mean? Uh, there's, uh, there is nothing quite as special and powerful as inserting yourself into a union. It is a private agglomeration of many, many people who have what one thing in common, which is their industry, right? So you can move demographics in a very interesting way. You want to rig an election, especially a local election, control a union, have them vote and step. Do what Matt did as the foreman of the foreman's union and have everybody vote for a certain guy for mayor of Chicago. You want to make a percentage on any number of industries? Dude, you want your VIG? You want to seek some rent, as they say in the world of economics? Boom, boom, boom. You know, now we control, you know, we control the um, the sanitation union of a city. Now we can set the prices and we can make that extra 8%. That's right. And it's and it's uh, one of the major criticisms against unions that is used by a lot of union busters, which is one of the things we're going to really get into this episode, is that uh, they can control quite a bit of money. Uh, because there are dues paid by every member of a union, right? And the thought there, and it's been spoken about on John Oliver and a bunch of other places, there, there is a thought that continues that that money isn't used to defend individual union members in cases where there's an issue, which is really when you sign up for a union, that's what it's stated, right? You pay your dues so that everybody collectively has this pool of money that can be used for the, for everybody's benefit collectively and individually. Um, but there's a lot of thought that that money, at least historically, and it has been proven that in certain cases it has been used this way was used for nefarious purposes. Right. Yeah. It inevitably becomes embroiled in things that, uh, maybe the average union member doesn't have visibility or input on. We, <laughs> just full disclosure, before we recorded part two of this, uh, Matt and Mission Control and I uh, were, were talking about some of the uh, consulting videos uh, that are <laughs> created by, um, I can only imagine, very tone-deaf union-busting consultancies. And again, there are any number of euphemisms for those organizations. Employee relations management is one. Uh, but, but we have to raise this point. You know, we have to separate ourselves a little bit from the propaganda. And you are absolutely right, Matt. Sometimes union corruption got ugly because after a certain threshold, you were talking about the realm of politics, and there are very, very few clean hands in that world. Very few. And this, uh, this is important for us to note because also the interesting response to that idea of um, paying dues and not having representation, right? That's, it's an echo of the idea of taxation without representation. That's yes. the objection, right? Uh, but you also logically have to ask if there's not a union, right? If you're, if you're just an employee negotiating individually, how much of a say do you have? You know what I mean? There, there's like, 
take um, controversial political donations or uh, political action committee donations, all this stuff. Like the average person working at a Chick-fil-A drive through which is still known today for its opposition to things like uh, marriage equality, right? Same-sex marriage. Chick-fil-A, super not on board with that. You know who they don't ask before they donate any of that money? They don't ask the kid at the drive-thru. They don't care what that kid thinks. Uh, so, like, that, that kid has no input in that regard either. So, w- what we're saying is there is a bad faith argument sometimes in that respect. That being said, I know we're going back and forth, but we have to do this. That being said, (laughs) yeah, that being said, there there have been dirty actions by union leaders. Um, Perhaps the most famous is, is our boy Jimmy Hoffa, known mob associate. This guy was shaking the foundations of one of the most powerful and dangerous countries on the planet until he disappeared. This is a true story. This is mundane enough to be true. This guy disappeared last seen at a parking lot in a suburban restaurant in Detroit. And he, (laughs) this was July 30th, 1975. His body has never been found. There's a great deal of speculation about it. As a matter of fact, I'm, I, I think we do a full episode on this one, Matt. Uh, seven years later, a judge declared him legally dead. As we record now in 2022, no one ever got charged with any sort of crime. He could have just gone off the grid, uh, but sometimes know, people we'll disappear. Ben, <laughs> sometimes people just go. Yeah, sometimes they just go. It's more difficult than you might think to get off the grid. We've got an episode on that, I believe. But the thing is, no one's at this point. No one's going to get charged with the likely murder of Jimmy Hoffa. Spoiler. Uh, It's it's time for us to, assuming we don't get fired for being that honest about this, it's time for us to say, yeah, it might sound like we're crapping on unions a bit. And that's not the case. We're just emphasizing that like most human organizations, again, these are vulnerable to corruption. It's not a hot take. It's not a new take. It is simply a boring and time-tested and very true take. But at their heart, unlike other organizations, I would argue that unions have always been a noble pursuit. You know, like you Voltron up. Why, why be one foreman when you can be 10,000? You know, assemble the Avengers of the working class and together we will pursue basic rights and guarantees that we could not achieve on our own. And despite all the bad press and despite, yes, genuine cases of corruption, it seems that unions are a very good thing for a great many people. But here's the thing. I don't know. It sounds like communism to me, Ben. <laughs> right. Here's the thing. Folks in power know this as well. They're not really chumps in the squad in this conversation. Everybody, we can assume that everybody is a rational actor and we can assume that they are performing to the top of their intelligence. They just have very different goals. That is why union busting remains an active conspiracy today. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsors and then we'll dive in. 
Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Here's where it gets crazy. Matt! Hey, uh, Pinkertons! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pinkertons! My favorites! I feel, like, uh, <laughs> I feel like we would be good Pinkertons. I feel like we could, we could do stuff like that. <laughs> I mean... Oh, God, that's really gross. But yeah, we would be pretty... I, yeah... You I can be, imagine myself yeah. being a, a private. Oh, I mean, I've always, I don't know, being a private detective or, you know, an FBI agent, like on mm. the case. I think mm. I, it's always something that I've kind of fantasized about. And I think it's just because I had a lot of maybe comic book heroes, everybody from Batman to, I don't, there's, there's so many where, yeah, I, where I just, I want to be investigating. And I feel like we get kind of an outlet for that here. It's not the same as being on the ground and getting my nose into things. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing is, you and I, you and I right now can't roll up to like we can't roll up on some group of people, shoot someone, and then flash a badge that says, I'm a podcaster. You know what I mean? That uh, we'd have to use the other well, badges. You know, if we use the word shooting as in like getting a shotgun mic out, you know, and an H6, then yeah, we could roll up on a group of people, 
shoot and then say, hey, we're podcasters. <laughs> hey, for the record, for the record, folks, we we do uh, our due diligence. We do have release forms. And that's part of why we ask that you explicitly give us permission to use, you know, whatever nickname you wish or your voice mm-hmm. on air. Uh, that That informed consent is really important to us. And it is not important to a lot of anti-union corporations. No, 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 it is not. Uh, let, let's just jump right into union busting, Ben. Uh, yeah. Let's let's talk about this. This is a practice, a tale as old as time. Uh, specifically, there are there are union busting efforts happening right now in the past. Oh, uh, let's. Let's give it a span of two, three years. But right now, actively, there's union busting happening at major corporations. Specifically, you've probably been reading about it occurring at Starbucks right now, Mm -hmm. Amazon Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's stuff Mm -hmm. at Walmart, I think, and even in some... Uh, some school districts in Minnesota with teachers unions. So let, let's get into all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, you know, I love the way you're kicking this off. So if you look at the three organizations that you just named, Matt, Starbucks, Amazon, Walmart, they are actively involved in a war for the hearts, minds, and most importantly, the labor of their employees. And yeah, Look, there, there are a ton of laws on the books in the United States that are meant to protect organized labor. But those laws are written by people in power. So a lot of things that seem like loopholes or seem like lax enforcement, those are, those are features. They are not bugs. If you are the average person living in the United States in 2022, You probably don't think about unions often. It comes to you as a story in like an abbreviated news clip. It's often going to be biased. It's sometimes a snooze fest. You know, we we all sort of collectively fall asleep when we hear a gobbledygook of initials or numbers we don't understand. Like, what is IBEU? What is AFL-CIO? What does that mean to me? I got stuff to do. You know what I mean? I got, I'm making a quesadilla or whatever. But the labor <laughs> movement as... What? That's a universal thing. The labor movement, as imperfect as it is, it has done great things. Again, you know, and, and this is probably the last time I'll mention it, but it is the reason... The concept of the weekend exists. The, those two days off, not the uh, artist. We didn't, we didn't have time to text him about unions before recording. But check in. We'll ask him. Uh, it's the reason you have paid vacation, that you have sick days, that you have some vestige of rights to privacy or used to uh, with your employer and on and on and on and on and on. And this is a big, 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 like Sir Mix-a-Lot level, but <laughs> that's changing. It is, dude. There is what some people would call a decision point. Are you laughing at the like big butts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was your delivery, man. It was perfect. It was, <laughs> oh, no, uh, no, it no. was just really good. <laughs> that's Sir Mix-a-Lot. Uh, that's not us. But uh, but yeah, it turns out company town company towns are going to be a thing mm-hmm. again. Right. We we talked about that a little bit. Um, the red flag there 
or the next red flag for those will be when the employees slash residents of those company towns are paid in something that is not a state currency. So like go live at the Tesla factory town and get paid in crypto. You know, that's going to be another red flag. Also, it turns out Pinkertons never left. Don't call it a comeback. They've been here. Uh, They uh, make a lot of money undermining by hook or by crook uh, folks who are conspiring to form unions. And that alone, to me, no matter how you feel, that alone should trigger your spidey sense. You have to ask yourself at some point, why do people in power spend so much time and so much energy fighting this? The only, like, if we walk through it, man, the only thing that I can reasonably say is that people in power want to stay in power and they don't want the proletariat messing with the status quo. You know what I mean? And, and it's so, yeah. it's, it's weird, but I, I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Does that make sense? Well, okay. Like, I, I, it does make sense. I'm trying to, this the whole research portion for me during these episodes has been trying to understand that question. Why? Why are companies so against unions and, and organized labor within their organizations? And I'm, this is what I've come up with. You tell me what, what you think. I think you're dealing with operations costs for a company. So how much does it cost me to produce one thing? That is one unit of the thing that I produce, whether that's a good or a service, right? How much does it cost me as the company to produce that one thing, which then uh, leads to how much that thing costs for the consumer, right? Because you're you're going to like if you imagine it, the markup on food or on wine or uh, like a hotel room, the markup that you charge a customer in order to make a profit. It feels to me that labor unions, because uh, all of your labor increases in price across the board, if a, if a labor union comes in and successfully, you know, is able to negotiate new contracts for all the people, it pushes all the prices up in, in a wave. Rather than one person getting a raise here, one person, you know, getting promoted here, um, I imagine the company worrying about how that's going to affect them down the line more rather than spending some of the profits that they've made in the past to fight back against that potential wave. I, I, yeah, and that's the only sense. reason I can imagine uh, rationally, mm-hmm. right? If everybody's a mm-hmm. rational actor, the way we discuss mm-hmm. Uh, geopolitics when we're talking about North Korea or Russia or something. But, you know, I don't know. That makes me feel icky. That takes me back to my early, like, business school days, and I do not like it. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're making it. I mean, that that is true, right? That is inarguably the case. Uh, if you If you think about it that way, if you can understand sort of the calculus of the people involved or the institutions involved, then you can also understand a little bit about why they would be so very tone deaf. And again, this is not a statement for or against unionization. 
You can read a lot of fantastic scholarship about the history of labor movements. You can read a lot of hilarious writing uh, from various consulting firms. I want to draw your attention to an excellent genre of videos we found on YouTube, which are all just screen rips of very poorly done. Very poorly done uh, anti-unionization videos that are paid for by these corporations. Uh, we just watched a very, very uh, disappointing one from Walmart uh, that has some pretty racist tinges to it. And uh, also, I've got to I got to point out, Matt, when I'm watching these videos, I'm wondering sometimes, like, are these actors? themselves in a union are they in the screen actors guild uh i'm gonna say it was likely a non <laughs> non-sag operation i'm gonna yeah, i'm I just gonna, gonna guess i don't think there's a lot of uh most favored nations going on there which is a term that i've had to learn after working with the Screen Actors Guild for quite a while now. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, the most favorite status. So, so we're going to introduce some examples of present union-busting activities, uh, and we're, we're going to be objective, uh, as objective as possible, and then we're going to maybe freestyle a little bit on the possible future and the great conflict between the owners, and the workers. But before we do that, we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, check whether or not Russia has launched the nukes, and we'll be back. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. 
Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Everything's looking clear over here, Ben. Uh, yep. Yep, gas prices are still around $4, so we're okay, I guess. $4 U.S.? (laughs) (laughs) yeah we are back we are back and there there exists in the u.s alone a multi-million dollar industry dedicated entirely to information warfare targeted against unions again it doesn't matter how any of us feel Uh, for or against the idea of labor unions, you have to acknowledge that there are people spending a lot of money trying to stop them from happening. And here's the thing, anti-union people, you'll love this, pro-union people, you'll hate this. That information warfare has been remarkably successful. Today, if you look at the, like, overall look at the United States, look at people who work in the U.S., you'll see that about a little over 10% of them belong to a union. That is half the rate it was back in 1983, which is longer ago than it sounds, but uh, is recent enough to be disturbing because you see this dramatic decline. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and you think about that in contrast to the fact that just under half of the American workers who are not in a union say they would like to be in a union. And remember, that's an individual person that would like to be in a union. And that makes sense, right? About half of the people who are not want to be in one. But when you, you know, go when you begin to have those conversations with other people at your workplace, 50% of whom likely, at least statistically, would want to be in a union as well, you're going to find pushback. Lots of pushback. Because, as Ben said, it's organized. The pushback is organized. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's not a lot of improvisation in this in this theater. You know, we talked about it in the past. We've got a lot of our uh, fellow conspiracy realists who wrote in because they worked or are currently working for Amazon, right? And mm-hmm. one of the big things that the mainstream media grappled onto, and I know, I know it's now it's like a controversial term to say mainstream media, but we're using the term correctly. One of the things that the media did pay attention to were the human interest stories, not the systemic structural problems that give birth to this conflict, but stories about, you know, a, uh, a worker at Amazon, an employee at Amazon, having to, or like being so pressed to make impossible quotas that they had to urinate in bottles because they didn't, literally did not have time to walk to a restroom without getting fired. The thing about those human interest stories 
Oh, and they are human interest stories, and they're stories of injustice. The thing about them is they're true. Amazon was like, ha no way, Ted. And then they were like, oh, sorry, we said no way. And then later, in a third step, they were like, ha yes way, Ted. Anyway, uh, you know, think of it this way, says Amazon. Why wouldn't you piss in a Gatorade bottle to help your boss get to space? Kind of. For 11 minutes, you know? Priorities. Be a team player. <laughs> and then they said, party on, Garth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's really um that's really messed up and, and here's the deal ultimately if you imagine yourself in your position wherever you work if you work however whatever your situation is if you imagine yourself getting together with a bunch of your coworkers, maybe your friends outside of work people who are all all working together and you imagine um you know, fighting for something like creating a union, knowing that there is this concerted effort to prevent you from doing that pretty much across the board should be a red flag in your mind. And it doesn't matter if you want to form a union or not, you should, it should just stick out that somebody doesn't want you to unionize whether you want to or not. Right. Why? Right. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If, if, um, if this stuff is indeed ineffective, then why are you worried about it being successful? You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's if, the if question. The, if the union's just going to take money from you in the form of dues and then use it for its own nefarious purposes, then why would the employer be worried? Yeah. That's and not going to affect them. Right. Unfortunately, there are a lot of scare tactics that don't seem to, correct me if I'm wrong here, folks, they don't seem to hold up to actual scrutiny. Like one of the big ones that has been pointed out in the past is, um, Oh God, I should begin this by saying we have watched a great many terrible workplace training videos that are entirely about the dangers of joining a union. And they are, they are for the most part, uh, bad faith arguments, at least from what I can tell. And I, you know, that I'll be honest with you. That's my opinion. I, um, I always welcome any, any like correction or if anybody can, shed a new perspective on this, please do write in, call us 1-833-STD-WYTK, conspiracydieheartradio.com. But here's what I think you and I both found, Matt. Um, There's a bit of double think in these arguments. There's a bit of um, honestly kind of lazy rhetoric. Like if, if you were a consulting firm and you're being paid to misinform people and to scare them, and that's your job, do a better job. I hope I don't sound like a jerk about it, but like, like take the argument, the argument um, that if people join some sort of labor union, their wages might go up, they might go down. You know what I mean? Uh, they might go up, but the idea of those wages going down is somewhat fanciful because given like what you said earlier, if wages, like if it decreased the costs for a company or organization, they'd be all about it. They'd be all about unions. You know what I mean? They'd be like, you have to join a union so that we don't pay you more than $10 an hour or whatever, what happened. Hmm. So it it just, it, it doesn't make sense. 
What do you get in a union? What's what's the primary benefit of having a union? I would say, and I think this is what union organizers would say, it's collective bargaining. So you've got a group that is bargaining with a corporation, a company, someone that sets prices for labor, uh, rather than an individual saying, you know, um, and maybe an individual saying, you know, I deserve to be paid this much money or I, I require to be paid this much money. It's everybody saying, let's negotiate. Let's talk about how much somebody at this level should get paid. And then what happens when they move up a level? What does that pay look like? Um, and let's do it across the board rather than one off for everybody, depending on, you know, whose uncle they know, uh, which is a thing, right? <laughs> which is a thing. Nepotism is a thing. Um, meritocracy is something that groups of humans love to pay lip service to, but they like talking about it a lot more than they like practicing it. Let's, you know, speaking of examples, let's take some real world examples that are happening now. Earlier this March, uh, we're recording on the uh, very first day of April, 2022. This is not an April Fool's Day episode. Uh, earlier this March, some folks working for Amazon in New York City at the largest Amazon warehouse in that area, uh, they started voting on whether or not they wanted to organize and join a union. And as we're recording now, uh, that vote... That tally is still ongoing. Uh, there was on the other side, and that one will probably go through. On the other side, well, this a, is the Staten Island one. No, there's another one in Staten Island, and we have a we have a breaking okay. news update on that one. Uh, that is so the the biggest one is JFK eight number eight, and that's still going on. Uh, but the Amazon warehouse in nearby Staten Island which is LDJ5, uh, is, I think, we got some breaking news on that, right? Yeah, we do. Uh, coming out of CNBC right now, article titled, Amazon workers on Staten Island vote for company's first unionized warehouse in the U.S. And it's looking at the vote that just came in. Tally was 2,654 votes in favor of joining the union, 2,131 opposed, and there were 67 challenged ballots, but that's not enough to change, you know, the outcome of that election. So it is, uh, it's decided that it really is Amazon's first unionized warehouse is going to be on Staten Island as of today, Friday, April 1st, again, not April fools. Again, not April fools. But if you travel not that far away to down to Alabama in the U.S., you will see another Amazon warehouse that had a vote wherein about 53% of the workforce was against the idea. And while these, like when we're giving you these statistics, these percentages, these votes for or against things, you have to understand that the people who are working in these situations are often inundated with propaganda. They're often uh, walking through hallways that are plastered with uh, passive aggressive warnings <laughs> about the dangers. And yeah. you can, yeah, and, and while it is legally against the law for a company to fire someone or terminate them in reprisal for organizing. 
there's nothing to stop them from finding another reason. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, your attendance or like your um, some performance metric, which can be made mm-hmm. up and then and then instituted. Like, this is all about creating hey. a need. Yeah. It's a good reason to keep metrics on your employees, like like they're robots Ayo. or something, um, <laughs> right, Amazon? Uh, so, but check this out. It, we're talking about those anti-union efforts. You can go to Engadget and you can read a story that came out also today, April 1st, 2022, titled Amazon spent $4.3 million on anti-union consultants in 2021 alone. Some were paid $3,200 per day. And you just, you know, again, you look at, how much does it cost a company to fight against a union versus what it would actually cost them to pay everyone a living wage and, you know, things like healthcare? Let's get into it. Let's like just interject, Matt, let's become mm-hmm. union buster leaders. Let's start a union for union busters and then let's let's make it as crooked <laughs> as possible. Yes. <laughs> and then yeah. make videos. Oh, the videos will get yes. so meta. Oh, oh my God. So good. Oh my gosh. All right. We're going to call Illumination Global Unlimited after this. We got to pull out our Ouija boards, but, but you're making, <laughs> you're making a great point. You know, um, there's also you know, the idea of a sunk cost fallacy, which we don't have to get into. Uh, another very likely way people have heard about unionization recently is Starbucks. There are probably like two to 53 Starbucks in your town. Uh, I'm making up that number. There are a lot is what we're saying. Uh, it was the kind of the first coffee store of its time with that, with that level of reach. Uh, nine of those stores voted to organize a labor union. And more than, as we record now, more than 150 are seeking to do the same thing. And Starbucks has fired some of those organizers. You could say things are reaching a boiling point. This can be seen as a resurgence of sorts, sort of a nascent new labor movement, if you wanted to use the capital letters. However, not everybody's on board with this idea. You can find cases of workers who fear unionization will be an overall negative thing for them. And we're going to be very fair in this regard. Uh, first, you have to admit that those workers might be uh, spotlighted by consulting firms, right? You want to have that human face that says, not for me. But also, there are categories uh, of concerns that, that are pretty valid. Number one, fear of reprisal. I might lose my job. Or... I might stay on as a kind of lame duck career. I won't get those new opportunities. I won't get promoted. I won't get a raise. And then there's, you know, like like we mentioned earlier, the idea of extra cost. I have to pay these union dues. Uh, we've seen so, so many ads where it's like, all they do is take a cut of my paycheck and I don't get to decide where it goes or what happens to it and cats and dogs and raining, and, you know, Pandemonium. Well, well, it it is interesting how it 
how that one factors in on an individual level because it will it will affect employees differently because it is it is a percentage right everybody pays the same percentage but that percentage is going to get bigger and bigger depending on what your standing is in the company right and how much you pay so it becomes a real thing that you have to take into consideration when you're choosing to join a union or not so it really is something that everyone has to take into account when they're considering joining a union or not, or at least fighting for it. Mm-hmm. And then there's also, uh, just while we're on this thread, there's there's also, again, the problem of cyclical history. Guilds started out as a very good thing, right? And guilds were organized labor. Guilds quickly decayed into corruption and oligarchy. And that's not, you know, that's not even a ding on guilds. Really, that's a ding on the human species. That's why you see, um, that's why you see so many revolutionaries, just like the pigs in Animal Farm, become in practice the same thing they originally fought against. It is a Somebody's very... got to be in charge. <laughs> right. Someone's got to be more equal than others, right? Uh, so the the other concern that people would have about unions is a lack of autonomy. And that's kind of funny, I think, but it's it's a real concern. This is most often portrayed as an inability to negotiate employment at an individual level. It is the pursuit of happiness sold to people. It is kind of the American dream that you have to support the billionaires because one day you might also be a billionaire. You know what I mean? Don't you want to be cool? Yeah. You might work your way all the way up that ladder, right to the top. But if you let these unions get in here and define what ladders are, I mean, (laughs) who knows? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, It's like, you know, I may not be the brightest crayon in that Crayola box, but it is my God-given right to shoot myself in the foot whenever I please, you know? So, <laughs> like, right? Like, hold my beer, <laughs> says America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, and honestly, everybody, this is a this is a, a really concerning thing because up to this point, we've talked about the history of unions and union busting and the problems, uh, you know, on both sides of the mind's aisle there. But when it gets really concerning and it's when we think about uh, the version of union busting that exists now and then you apply future technology and things that we know that are coming to those Ooh. efforts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. This is this is the point where I think we we're going to we're going to have to end on this one. And you should be disturbed, by the way, regardless of how you personally feel about this stuff. Let's uh, let's introduce Professor Kim Phillips Fine. Uh, Professor Phillips Fine is uh, works as a professor of history at New York University and Uh, This professor has a quote that I think stood out to us. Here it is. There is a growing sense that the weakness we have seen in organized labor is the result of social and economic policies that have disproportionately favored the wealthy and corporations. And that is a real problem. And yet you have to keep in mind whenever we're pulling from an academic source, 
These are people who spend their lives thinking about this. They don't say this kind of stuff lightly. It's not cocktail hour chatter for them. And it doesn't really matter what Matt thinks or what Paul thinks or what I think uh, or what you think, honestly, about whether you're for or against unions. What Professor Phillips Fine is pointing out here is that income inequality is skyrocketing it is Mm -hmm. crazy not good for the average person regardless again of almost any other attribute you could add or any way you want to slice a demographic there it's an unsustainable level it's reaching gilded age it is very yep very bad really you just look at the average salary in any city and then look at the average home cost in any city, the average mortgage loan that it would require to purchase a small home in any average city. In Atlanta right now, we're just at the top end of $300,000, like $400,000 right in that like upper echelon range for an average starter home. The like the, the one that I'm sitting in right now is the starter home that I was able to get after years of saving. I was able to get a giant loan that I'm going to be paying off until God knows when. But Ooh. like I eked in, I eked in at a time when I was not getting, I'm not getting paid a lot of money, but I was able to just get it. To, to get a bank to give me the money to get in here and achieve the American tattoo. dream. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's just, it's a full sleeve. And it is just <laughs> like, I, there's no way I could do that right now. There's mm. no way in hell I could do that in Atlanta. And Atlanta is one of the better priced places. And when you're, when it comes to bigger cities across the planet, not just in the United States. If you look at Canada, it seems to be even worse. I was uh, reading a thing about Toronto the other day. I mean, it's just like those two things together, the average income of an individual and then what it costs for housing, even rent, if you're not owning a home, but you're just trying to pay somebody rent, it's crazy right now. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And, uh, you know, the same applies to Australia. Housing costs are out mm-hmm. of control. Uh, the basic stuff you need to live, not even live well, not even thrive. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Just just have some place to put your stuff, right? <laughs> like that has become um, a pipe dream for a lot of people. And unfortunately, all indications show us that it will continue to worsen until it reaches an inflection point. I brought back inflection point. I thought you would like that. That's for you, Matt. Oh, I do. I love it. I've been waiting. Just waiting. <laughs> oh, man. I wonder if people ever if people ever hear us off air grading our own conversations. It's hilarious. Uh, you know, we've gone through so many phases of, like, language that we're – we're like, okay, we're done with that one. But inflection point will never die. We reached an inflection point about talking about inflection points. That's what happened. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's gallows humor. You know, while people can still afford gallows, it's gallows humor. Uh, but it is, it is true. Human beings are collectively, regardless of their political perspective, 
approaching something like neo-feudalism. And feudalism, just to be very clear about this, sucks for the majority of people. It's super awesome for like 2% of people, and it's absolutely terrible for everybody else. And the people who want neo-feudalism don't care. They don't care. They think it's awesome. Uh, And from their perspective, it's rational. Oh, absolutely. If you're in that 2%, you could just stand right up at an award ceremony, walk on stage, slap the shit out of somebody, and everything would be fine. Uh, <laughs> I did not see that one coming, Matt. Okay. Well done. Sorry. All right. No, sorry. No. Look, yeah. if we don't if we don't put it into our show right now, nobody will ever remember because it's gonna no. go away very soon. True. Just, we, have, we said something. True. It's Chris, very, very Chris true, Rock. Chris Rock is one of my heroes. Okay. <laughs> but so is Will Smith. This sucks. All right. Well, well. It's evident that uh, inequality is sort of part of the war on the working class. Uh, It's evident in the increasing difficulty of entering the ownership class. It's evident in the increasing control of media, uh, the increasing partisanship of media. It's evident in the successful institution of various laws and policies that victimize the people at the bottom This crazy pyramid scheme that is American society and the future of union busting is a future of surveillance. It is one of profiling and curtailing movements before they begin. We started early with the Pinkertons and let's end with them. You know what they're into nowadays? Spoiler alert, machine learning, writing algorithms, identifying you before you become the person who says, hey, why do we keep losing our hands in the lumber mill? You know what I mean? Like, this is, <laughs> this is true stuff. This is important. And I think for us, you know, we're going a little long on this, but for, for us, the most important part of this, the, the mission critical thing is to understand that the if you are listening, the onus is on you to Figure out these issues and you have to pay careful attention to the motivations, the ulterior motives, I should say, of the people who are talking to you as though they have it all figured out. You have to question everything. And the first question you should ask when you hear something like that is why? Well, (laughs) right. Be a a four year old. (laughs) And like, seriously, yeah, like we should all live that way. But Mm. why, though? (laughs) Why? So like, that's that's the thing. Like, if you if you just look at the way the chess pieces are arranged, then you can learn quite a bit about the motivations for very anti-union people and the motivations for very pro-union people and the conspiracies involved, because there really are conspiracies involved. These are not theories, and we cannot wait to hear from you. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Uh, What's your take? Unions, for them, against them. Uh, What are some of your favorite union conspiracies? If you are listening to this and you happen to be Jimmy Hoffa and you are, in fact, alive, drop us a line. We try to be easy to find on the Internet, Facebook. Here's where it gets crazy. 
Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Uh, if you're not into social media, we have a book coming out, hopefully, if we don't get fired for this episode. And uh, if you if you don't if you don't like books and if you don't like uh, social media, we get it. Uh, that's why we have a phone number just for you. That's right. Use your phone to dial one eight three three S T D W Y T K. It's a voicemail service. You will hear Ben's voice. Then you can add yours to the mix. You have three minutes. Please give yourself a cool nickname. Let us know if we can use your voice and message on the air. And then there you go. Anything you want to say, suggestions, things we've directly asked about. We want to hear from you. Jokes? You got jokes? We'll take them. <laughs> we love them. We need them. Please. Gets dark around here pretty quickly and pretty often, so anything to lighten the mood would be great. Um, if you don't want to do any of that stuff, but you still have stuff to say, and maybe you've got stuff that won't fit into a three-minute voicemail message, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.